0: Today on the Mode Push podcast, the Italian GP, everybody headed to Monza. What's it going to be setup-wise for these guys? How are you going to get the fastest car down those straights? Plus, the driver market has gotten even more insane since the summer break. We'll talk about some of the seats that may or may not be available. Dan breaks down Aerodynamics 101 once again for us. It's Mode Push. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcasts present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. let stop. This is what you get with this honesty. I've guessed it. i absolutely guessed it. I enjoyed this so f- much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome in. It's another edition of Mode Push, an American view of F1, the podcast brought to you by KSL Sports and KSL Podcasts. Alex Curie here. Dan Jimenez also joining me as well as usual. Uh, Dan, we, here we are. It's another race week. We've had three of these in a row. We're never going to get a break here. I prefer it that way. Oh, yeah. I love the American sports where they're like, we might give you one week off. <laughs> I get. I respect the fact that you have to fly a quadrillion dollars worth of equipment across the world. That's fine, but I still – I get so annoyed when there's like a couple weeks off. I get annoyed even if there's just that one-week gap. I'm just I, – I get – I'm just like, come on. You guys are going to have – I know you have to go to Japan, and you were in Mexico the week before. I know, but still I want to watch these races. Uh, hey, we're at another race week here. Where does Monza li- land on your list of uh, favorite races, race courses, uh historically where does it land like is it one of those that will never go away type of a deal for f1 or what's the history
1: of monzo here i would say it's top five in my personal preference of races to watch Why? i think that Why? um i mean for the last two years it's uh yielded some really exciting results when
0: you say exciting you mean not the usual suspects winning a race right which yeah. is what we want sometimes
1: yeah chaos uh so i think that uh for a reason also it's a Beautiful racetrack, beautiful venue, a lot of history, the association with Ferrari, which, you know, I'm a, a bleeding heart for. And, uh, how is it that you're a Ferrari guy?
0: What, how did you become a Ferrari kind of, uh, one of the Tifosi, I guess? I mean, you're pretty good <laughs> about breaking down all of them, but like, I know you have a, uh, an affinity for AMG too. So I don't, I'm, that's why I'm
1: wondering where this, uh, where this Ferrari love has yeah, come that's, from. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I have a personal affinity for AMG on the road. But when it comes to the racetrack, <laughs> I, it probably comes from the era when I got into Formula One, was the Michael Schumacher Ferrari era. I just always seen yeah. him and uh, you know Felipe Massa and everybody, you know those guys up front, and Fernando. And, and it was, uh, I think that that probably just got kind of put into me early. I, you know what's interesting is when I was a kid,
0: like you know Ferrari's a big deal, because like I had a Testarossa like poster oh, on yeah. my wall, I <laughs> was like it. And you periodically you'd see one. Maybe if you go to Vegas and you you like spot something on the street and you go, oh look at that. And I don't know. I mean, we don't have the the respect for Ferraris here, except for just knowing they're expensive. But the history and the culture that comes across that, that comes uh, from Ferrari. I mean, it's a, it's a team based in they started on the racetrack. I mean, that's kind of yeah. the thing is that's where they came from. And Enzo Ferrari, the history that he's created there. This is kind of their home racetrack. Not kind of. People expect uh, these guys to perform well, and they've not done that in the last couple of years. One, of not having just the pace. Now they've got the pace, but everybody is so over the fact that they can't freaking figure out the strategy and reliability stuff. Yeah. I mean, this last week, they
1: blew it again, right? Yeah. So that's I, I am hopelessly optimistic for Ferrari this weekend i i I believe in the regression to the mean and the law of averages <laughs> and they just can't have that this much bad luck continue for this long and so like the the kind of romantic part of me is like wouldn't it be great if they turned it around and got a win in their home track this weekend uh
0: Mercedes performed really well last week uh at the Dutch Grand Prix, but that was a that was a racetrack setup for them. More so. This yeah. is more of a straight-line speed, which is not where Mercedes has been doing the thing, but that's where Ferrari and Red Bull have been able to nip everybody else. And so, who is this track set up for the most, and what are we seeing teams do to set up for a racetrack like Monza this weekend?
1: Yeah, Monza's a, uh, more similar to Spa than, than Zandvoort in that it's a, it's a low-downforce track. So, long straightaways, very few corners, and the corners that they have are relatively low speed. So, Low force meaning you try to strip all the drag off the car and make this thing just a rocket strip right. in the, in a straight line. So that leans towards, uh, I think, back into the hands of Red Bull and uh, and Ferrari. But uh, in kind of the first round of driver interviews this week, you know, Max was, again, hedging uh, a little bit or maybe sandbagging uh, the expectations for the weekend just that they haven't had good luck, you know, in, in the last few trips to Monza for Red Bull but uh yeah it it's going to favor whoever has the the highest uh high end speed and ferrari had that early in the year and so that's where i'm hoping you know they can get that uh, mojo going again and, and really compete and the mercedes that you know lewis is uh having to take a, a grid penalty because he's uh bringing a new power unit new motor to to this track and so he's going to have to fight from from the back of the field i feel like he prefers that almost cuz then he can do the sandbagging he can do the
0: uh, you know, just where we're set up. I don't know. We haven't had much luck. He loves doing the, I don't know, we haven't been, I'm really pleased with the team, but we just haven't had <laughs> really the speed. Everybody else just have rocket ships and we're just like in this clunker, you know, and you go, come on, Lewis, like no one's falling for that anymore. But at the same time, like uh, this race for one, re- one reason or another uh, crashes, reliability. Uh, you know, qualifying that's been wet in, in in years past as well. So those are all things that for, for a, an F1 viewer, a new F1 viewer like me, new-ish, I really like when the conditions are evened out a little bit or the conditions are such to where the field ends up being evened out a little bit more because I, I don't like seeing just like Max or Lewis or whomever go through these races. I mean, at some point you're going to go, he's won 10 races. How many in a row? He can win the next three, I think, and then he's going to end up basically just being the world champion, uh, mathematically. And yeah. so that's not very interesting on that on that side of things. But uh, a track like this, I think, offers a little bit of hope for for teams who you might not necessarily necessarily see up there. I was shocked, like everybody else, when Pierre Gasly won this thing in 2020, right? Where you're going? There's mm-hmm. an Alphatari P1, and then last year Daniel Ricardo. Never thought the guy would ever win a race again, you know. (laughs) And at this rate right now, I feel like he'd never win a race again. And so uh, it it certainly has been exciting over the last couple of years. But do you expect Red Bull, with the type of, like, crazy year that they've had with how good they've been, how sharp they've been, their strategy seems to be way head and shoulders above everybody else, that this wouldn't just be a race for them, barring uh, just another,
1: like, crazy crash maybe at the beginning or something else? Right, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the betting odds certainly are putting max up front. Uh, and so, uh, I, I think that, uh, weather might come into play this weekend. Uh, looking at the weather forecast, there's a high probability of rain for qualifying on Friday and that, that comes back, but it doesn't go to zero, uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And like they say, rain is the great equalizer. And I think as an American fan, like we, we love it when we see that. I think all fans enjoy seeing the the Mm -hmm. increased competition. And so weather could come into play, uh, Tire strategy could come into play, and um, what we saw at Zandvoort, which is Mercedes, is doing better on their tires than everybody else. So, if it becomes a you know a tire strategy race, it, it could play into Lewis's hands, especially or George. But if Lewis is coming from behind, uh, you know he might be the wild card that catches out everybody else running, you know, the same strategy. And so, uh, I am optimistic for a very exciting and unexpected uh, race this weekend. The news outside of the
0: racetrack has been just as interesting this week, and. Uh as we've seen this thing kind of kind of play out, I have no idea where to start either. Because I, I start looking at it and I go, "You have Pierre Gasly, who might not necessarily be racing with AlfaTari in the future because they're interested in in uh, Colton Herta, mm-hmm. who may or may not get his super license, uh, you know, kind of pushed through and get him going on a, in a seat in 2023 for AlfaTari. It seems like a no brainer to put another Frenchman over at Alpine since it's a French team and you already mm-hmm. have Esteban Ocon over there." What is the storyline that is the most interesting to you? Reserve driver Daniel Ricciardo, it's also been uh, rumored for him to go to Mercedes and possibly fill wow. in after after Lewis retires or somebody's just like saying he's probably going to retire. I don't know. Of all the storylines off track, what are the ones that are interesting to you right now? What's going to make the sport better in terms of, of who these guys who are coming in and out of the sport, who needs to be gone, who would come in and, and makes it interesting for you?
1: Yeah, I... Um... Man, there is just so many moving parts right now, and it's hard to keep track of them and all. I think that that rumor of Daniel Ricciardo being a reserve driver for Mercedes might make sense and would line up with him, you know, getting caught on on camera last week or on the microphone saying he's going to take a year off and you know, if he wants to take a year off, rest and then wait out and see if that seat can open up at Mercedes. That's really interesting. But if you're Mercedes, you have lots of power to go out and pick the best driver, right? right? So. Um, maybe you're just kind of buying an option on Danny Rick for a year in case he's the best you know person. That's if, still available. That's still available when if Lewis chooses to retire. Right. Um, I think that uh, kind of at the bottom of the constructor standings, there's some interesting moves and speculation around uh, Mick Schumacher not making it. Even though I, I'm surprised by those rumors because I don't feel like he's had a terrible year. You know, I think he's done relatively well given his equipment
0: just, and just the name itself. I'm like. There's no way some team wouldn't want yeah. the sponsorship dollars and the name recognition that walk over to your team. Even if the guy's a middling, you know, runner on the. On, if you're a midfield team, you pick up a midfield driver who's got that name, then that's it. Like that's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't understand it either. It's like, but it's almost like people just dismiss it totally, and then they go, yeah. And you're looking at these people that are coming in. Uh, Pierre Gasly might not even race this weekend. Apparently, he's sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what that looks like, but in your estimation. Uh, how many seats are, are still up for grabs? I, I don't even know who's going to be available necessarily.
1: There may – you know, the Alpine seat, obviously. The uh, Latifi seat at Williams mm-hmm. seems like that's going to change. And there's uh, speculation around uh, Nick DeVries, I think is his name, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. who has seemed to have substituted for like four teams or five <laughs> he's, teams He's this definitely year. a lot of FP1, uh, you know, yeah, shots he, over the years. Yeah. yeah, he has a headshot in every single fire suit right now. <laughs> so – you know, maybe it's him. Um, so then, the Haas seat for Mick, uh, that Alphatauri seat that is, you know, potentially Colton Herta. So there's a, a lot going around, and I just, like you said, it's fun to see new faces, new competition, uh, and I, I'm most excited about Colton Herta if he if he can get that pass on his super license and join Alphatauri, even though Alphatauri is kind of a you know bottom of the of the standings team. If he can have a good showing there, maybe he's a potential replacement if, you know, Sergio doesn't work out long term and, you know, can partner with Max.
0: Uh, The teams that are at the top right now, you're talking about the, I mean, I don't know how much development for next year goes into right now. You know, is Mercedes just like going? Hey, we're just going to get through this year, but our twenty twenty three car, we've already got we've got our best people working on this thing, and like how teams balance the race, the you know the constructors standings or or the races that are in front of them right now versus the development that's going on at the factories for a car that's two or three years, uh, you know, into the future development wise. They look at twenty three, twenty four, and, and and see where they can be in those things because then when you get to winter testing, then they go. Who looks best in winter testing? Suddenly, and it might be a totally different go at this thing. So, what's the what's the the, the development side of things for F one where they're racing right now, but they're developing for years into the future? Like, how do they have that balance with the with the makers of the car?
1: Yeah, they'll have you know a reserve team that is working on the future iterations of the car, uh, you know, well in advance, you know, year in advance. And uh, as you get closer to the end of the year, they'll apportion more of the resources of the team onto that. And if you're Mercedes and you're looking at a chance to move from third to second in the constructor standings, like, that's enough to, I think, keep the um, lion's share of the team's attention through the rest of the year. And so I I don't think that Mercedes is going to phone it in uh, by any means. And so um, and there's a lot to learn still. I think the changes that are coming next year are significant, but they're not like what we saw this year relative to 2021. So information gathered this year uh, and improvements that can be made are definitely applicable for next year, too. Uh, while other
0: people are looking at the Kardashians on TMZ and, and shots of them across the world, <laughs> Dan gets excited about the shots of uh, of wings that people bring to Monza. You're like, ooh, there's some like really nice pictures out there of different <laughs> wings that people are bringing to Monza, which is a wild concept. But uh, I guess when you're talking about how teams are getting ready for this weekend, you uh, the low downforce uh, setup that you were talking about. So what are people bringing? When somebody looks at a car, and and they do, they see those wings on the front, and they see all the different iterations of how they can mm-hmm. set things up. What are they looking for when they see the front of a car, the rear of the car, that 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 uh, rear wing versus the front wing? What are we looking for at Monza
1: that's going to be the most successful setup, and, and, and what have people changed this week? Yeah. So when you're looking at the car, the majority of the drag is going to be determined by that total cross-sectional area that is facing into the wind and so that rear wing how much mass is back there how much you know different um you know uh you know plane is facing into the wind and so the more they strip off of that and you know are pretty much are left with just a couple of end plates and one little tiny you know plane going in between the two that's you know they're trying to get away with what is the absolute minimum we can run Safely, mm-hmm. you know, and still get around the corners because if you take it all away and there's no rear downforce, then, you know, you're going to be really slow in the corner, um, especially coming off the corner, trying to put down, you know, the acceleration. And so keep an eye out for, you know, in, even during the practice sessions, you'll see, you know, two drivers from the same team running different wings and uh, they're just do- going through those test iterations to see, you know, what is the right balance of downforce and straight line speed And uh, I I went back and looked at years past um, what teams have tried at Monza. See, this is the thing. You were at work, uh, you know, looking at your fantasy football. Dan is
0: like, I want to go look back at 2018, what the setup was. (laughs) I mean, you,
1: you look back into the 90s and the 80s, and there were teams that came and, like, they didn't have a rear winger. They like did the bare minimum, oh, whatever goodness. the regulation said, which is like you have to have one tiny little you know planar upright that almost looks like the tail on an so airplane. So it didn't give them any down force. No they're downforce. just flying down the, yeah. down those straights. Yeah, and then they're holding on to dear life in the corners. To the corners. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think they're gonna get aggressive. Some of the photos I've seen already from Ferrari and others look really aggressive. And they have to do that. Um, everyone will do it, you know, so it'll kind of minimize the particular advantage that one team might get over the other. Um, And I I think that, you know, Red Bull has been able to produce a lot of downforce uh, while having the high straight line speed, which has kind of been the formula for their success. They've got the right mix. And um, so I think that they'll still have the edge over everybody else on that balance of speed, but it could come down to the power unit too and overall horsepower. And it seems like Ferrari has had that uh, high horsepower this year that could produce the the top line speed that you need at Monza uh
0: looking at the last couple of years uh, i was I'm, I'm going back and I th- i'm gonna kind of put you on the spot on on making some good guesses here oh no uh and so I mean when you talk about 2021 and what the finish was yeah there, and I think that people, you know, we look we look forward to it. Well, let's start with 2020 when we already had – because the last two years we've had mm-hmm. wild
1: freaking winners, right? In 2019 was uh, Charles's win. Right. Yes. So that was another – a bit of a surprise. He had won the week prior at Spa, but it was still a huge win. It was
0: because it was like, oh, man, Ferrari came back after the summer break and yeah. they had something here, right? Yeah. And and Charles had won at Spa, and then they go to Monza, and he wins that one as well, which, of course, sent Italy through the freaking roof. Here's your 2020 <laughs> podium, if you'll recall. Ghastly signs stroll. <laughs> These are the ones that you look at when you like have already T voted and like you accidentally catch a glimpse on Twitter what the what the podium was and you're checking to see if someone's trying to f- fake you out or if it was like some reverse order podium or whatever. Yeah, you're like, Wait, App State beat Michigan? What? <laughs> exactly, exactly right. You you look at like there's no freaking way they got this right. And yet, you know, that kind of stuff happens. And then last year it was a one-two for McLaren, obviously, with uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, for Mercedes finishing in that th- in that third spot on the podium. We've had random podiums. If there's going to be a midfield team that ends up on the podium or a ha- or, or a couple of finishers here and there, give me some options for people that I should not be surprised that they're on the podium because. Uh, of how surprised we've been with right. guys on the podium. And I'm not just saying throw Mick Schumacher and, uh, and Kevin Magnuson for a one two. Yeah, I'm saying what, what are the ones that, like, legitimately, if things don't go well for Ferrari, which it's not like that hasn't happened yeah, all year long, yeah. if things, if Mercedes doesn't have the pace, which looks like they might not with the setup that it is. And if, if Red Bull has a catastrophe of some sort, which, again, we're, we're watching the last year with the that. 2021 20 was made so much more exciting by the fact that uh, Max Verstappen put the back his rear wheel on the oh halo on the halo of uh, of, of, of <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Wild. So what are the ones that we could look ahead and go, hey, that person could have a weekend where you might be surprised
1: they'd be on that podium? My dark horse uh, from the midfield would be Fernando Alonso. I think he had a secretly, like, under the radar really great race at Zandvoort and showed a lot of good pace race pace what did
0: he go 13th to 6th or something like yeah, that was something yeah. along those lines
1: yeah he had a great drive Um so and I think Alpine all year has been you know establishing themselves as the best of the rest and they'll have some weekends that you're like oh my gosh there they are 5 and
0: 6 yeah. in qualifying and then maybe they don't finish or they do finish that way but they're just like this close to being able to be there. Certainly helps to have a two-time world champ but a guy who's as insane of a driver with that experience with uh, Fernando.
1: Yeah, and and Alpine knows how to capitalize on those kinds of races. Uh, Ocon, I think at the Hungarian GP a year or two ago, uh, was able to capitalize and win in, in the rain. I uh, yeah, I'm gonna have my eye on them on Friday and Saturday because if yeah, if things go wrong at the top of the of the standings uh, with those teams, then. I think uh, Alonso or Ocon could make a, a run for the win.
0: Lando's had a good history there uh, at Italy, and and obviously of of the two McLaren cars that you see finish uh, one two last year, I don't think we would have ever thought that Daniel Ricciardo would be the one to get the win over Lando Norris because Lando's the more more familiar with the car. Mm-hmm. Seems that he's he's got the car under him, and he has since he's been there. But but McLaren, it's McLaren's pace last year was. I mean, they were P three in the constructors, right, last year, and so yeah, they were good. Th- I mean, so it's different this year because they've been underwhelming as a team. But is this the type of weekend where Lando could get his first uh, win in uh, in F one? And I'm like, I want that kid to win so bad because yeah. he just is like, he's fun, he's funny, and he's obviously talented. He's probably in that top five of like pure raw talent for racers across uh, F one, but. Uh, I don't know, some of these other guys that that, that that stand out that could always be... Sebastian Vettel has snuck in on the podium this year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know how quick that Aston Martin is, and I don't know how quick they want it to be <laughs> I mean, at yeah. this point either. Uh, speaking of teams who are like you know trying to, to scramble to try to figure out what their future is going to look like uh, with drivers in their seats. So... Uh, any other people that, that that could stand out this weekend that may not be the ones that that you're necessarily could it be a, a weekend that checo could uh steal one from his teammate or something along those lines
1: yeah i uh, honestly i think it's a um it's the field's wide open you know it, if something happens in the front i uh, I like your prediction of uh landon Norris he's got to get his first win soon and it would be such a popular win uh and he he really is running really well this year. Um, the other Ferrari power, uh, you know, the Alfa Romeo of Botas might be one to keep an eye on too. He, He's always
0: sneaky. He's sne- always further ahead than the car probably yeah. is is worth deserving.
1: They could be, they could be fast too this weekend. So, uh, I would watch him as well.
0: Oh man. I just get I, I get excited about races when I know that it's not just going to be, uh, you know, a, a one, two for a Red Bull, a one, two, even for like Ferrari, or you have just the usual suspects on the podium. I, I want to see... I mean when you see when you see a guy like Lance Stroll 2 years ago on the podium then you kind of go what on earth happened <laughs> anything you know, is possible <laughs> anything is possible anybody can win a, can get on the podium other things to, look, to uh, look forward to this weekend everybody rolling out their own special liveries like I, the thing is, is if you run a special livery no one cares Dan uh if you don't do well in a race or they hate you even more when you can't like deliver yeah. cuz i know that AMG was celebrating like 50 years of of being AMG right in the last race, and they had that little kind of historic sort of numbers on the on the cars. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's really nice, except for no one cares if uh, your strategists blow it and then, like, you run a different race. You put George out there or you you pit George and then end up uh, kind of blowing your race for you. So yellow fire suits for the Ferrari guys and a little bit of the car is, uh, is yellow. I don't know. I'm the type of person, I'm like, change it every dang week. They have enough resources that they could just make all of their cars look really good. I would do a special livery every freaking week, or at least maybe every third week, just to mix it up because it, it's like I, I don't know. I come from the world of uh, of commentating on college football, yeah. Like the Oregon Ducks. I mean, it's like. And everybody is now. Everybody yeah. has every different iteration of their jerseys that they do. Like it or not, the fan base is like, I don't know. I like when liveries are changed, but uh, a yellow Ferrari, I don't know if I'm a huge fan if they ended up going full yellow
1: on the Ferrari. Yeah, that's a, it's a strong choice of color, even though it is in their brand palette um, from mine. My- <laughs> yeah, but it's, I mean, they went to that maroon. Oh, what was it two years ago? That was cool because it
0: has the history, though. Yeah, because it was like this is what Ferrari red used to be. Oh, yeah. And so you're kind of like that. That was pretty dope. But when you start doing this, when you start messing around, see a team like Red Bull. That, I mean, the brand is only like five minutes old, and so like from a standpoint (laughs) of, and they have colors all over the place. You just change the livery as much as you want. Uh, But again, once you change liveries, and then you're losing. Nobody, (laughs) people are like. It's like with the jazz uniforms here in Utah, right? Everybody goes get rid of these colors. I hate them because we went zero and three in this jersey set the last like you know six <laughs> weeks or whatever. People, people, the, the they superstition. Take note.
1: The superstition comes into play, and even from my racing days, I I feel like I have this mental association with like special paint scheme or special livery it was normally like uh like a bad omen. It was like bad luck. It, I don't want that stuff. And in as somebody like working on the team. Uh, but I think that it's just funny human psychology that you just associate it with, uh, you know, in case your driver gets knocked out. It's like, oh, it was, it was the paint scheme. You know? yeah,
0: that's my favorite when fans come out of the woodwork and go, you know why we lost on that Monday night football game, right? Because we went to the 75th anniversary uh, jersey. In the NFL, I was like, if you would have won, they'd have been like, bring it back every two weeks right. just so we can get this thing going again. Uh, okay. You've got the Italian Grand Prix this weekend uh, at Monza. Exciting stuff. Uh from a championship standpoint, it's not that exciting right now. When you're up 100-something points like Max Verstappen is, the Constructors' title is not even really well within uh, the reach there. What means more for Red Bull? Is it winning the Constructors now because all that money is associated with it, or is it getting another World Driver Championship for Max? I mean, at some point you go, you got that last year, now – Christian Horner just wants to take over the field and be the best team.
1: I think across the board too to just really stick it to Mercedes and Ferrari. Probably, yeah. I think the money is in the constructor standings, but I think the pride is in the driver standings. I think that like the um, kind of the gravitas that the team carries with them uh, really is okay. Who's winning every race? Like who's currently surging? And so I uh, I think that they'll continue to have that focus on. We have to get Max this championship and in 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 repeat. And if they do that, I think. Sergio will do well enough to to make sure that Ferrari or Mercedes doesn't close up on him.
0: Well that's what I was gonna say is that um like in the stamp from the standpoint of when you have these two drivers, and we've talked about this before where you have the the two the two drivers in the team and then you have like the guy who's the number one driver, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like on every team there's the guy who everybody could look at and go, Yep, that's the person. It, before it was you could be able to tell on the little camera on top, right? Where they have like the yellow yeah, antenna the versus pod. the not yeah, the camera pod. And so uh and that's, like, it's so weird to me because these are the biggest egos in all of sport, and some person has to take, like, the second driver taking team orders, giving the thumbs up and pretending like everything's okay. We'll speak <laughs> afterward. Like, you know, everybody was like, don't talk about this on the radio. I'll speak to you afterward. And so that that idea of my teammates winning this thing, and I'm in second, but I'm, like, way far behind, yeah. you know. I, I, it's fascinating to me because – they're teams, but they're individuals, and and that's just that's one of the things I'm still getting used to in F1. I think is understanding the team, the team part of it, and taking team orders, and uh, and being able to marry those things and pretend like everything's okay within a team. So
1: yeah, yep. it, it's super unique to, to F1 relative to other sports, and I think it brings an element uh, that is creates a lot of um you know interesting you know things to talk about, especially during the silly season. where drivers are trading seats and thinking about where they are going to go, how are they going to match up with that guy, is he going to be willing to play second fiddle, all that is uh, I think just a a fun and interesting element. And it just leaves, you know, when Sergio isn't keeping up with Max, knowing he's in the same equipment, it just leaves no excuses for Sergio. It just is all about his performance. I'm really looking forward to you looking forward to going
0: to a race this year. Oh, man, I'm excited. Have you figured out if your tickets
1: to the Singapore GP if they're real or not yet? <laughs> I, I talked to a, what was a seemed to be a very nice man based in Austria on the phone who said that my tickets are coming. But I have not shown up in my email yet, but I am getting on the plane and I'm going to Singapore. Okay. And that's I, the end of this month, dude. It's coming up.
0: I mean I'm like I'm excited for you. You're gonna be our first uh boots on the ground uh you know We're going to get a full-on Singapore report for you. Live from Singapore. We're making you work when you go over there, by the way. I'm excited. Uh, When you get – I mean, I think about the races that are coming to the United States. Miami obviously was a huge deal. Uh, On the calendar for next year, of course, is the Las Vegas race Mm -hmm. that everybody is just like, you know, seeing the mock-ups of what it's going to look like. Amazing. We don't live that far from Vegas. I've been to a kajillion sporting events down in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. uh, from the basketball and and, uh, football worlds. I can't imagine the the uh, amount of demand that it's going to be for a sport that's growing so much. Probably the most of any sport in the United States in terms of growth and new growth, certainly. So, how does somebody get a uh, a ticket to a GP? Singapore aside, mm-hmm. but any race, anywhere across the world. How does that how does that process even work? Like where do you go to find it? Do I go to Vivid Seats? Do I go to StubHub and try to find
1: no. some badges for the weekend? No, you you know, you can go to formula1.com, but those will sell out quickly. And then there's a f- two or three other kind of approved vendors of tickets. Uh, I got mine through GP tickets. I'd have to look up the names of the other two. But they'll buy those vendors, will you know, buy them up in clumps and then resell them, right? And so that's who I got my ticket through. I'm gonna be sitting in uh, turn one at Singapore looking down the front stretch and pit lane and then seeing that one, two, three, but on Sunday, right? Like, uh, not a I got that for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nice, that seat. You got the full badge, you got the full weekend access, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I was gonna be in the area, so I thought I'd stop by and see an F1 race. <laughs> ah, I was gonna be in the area anyway, <laughs> sure no it's honestly it singapore's been on my bucket list ever since wait why seeing, why uh, this, 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 it's, the a unique, it's a unique city circuit at, at night yeah night race uh singapore as a city state is fascinating to me it's just have a, you been before i've never been i've heard from people who have been there who have lived there uh so I've, I've always wanted to see the city itself and then the race is a visual spectacle that i think um is almost unparalleled and uh and I think it is produced. You know, it's some exciting races. Some of them have been kind of dry, but uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to just experiencing the whole uh, the whole thing that comes with it. I'm going to get a ride on the carousel, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty seven hours of flight, and you're going to find
0: yourself, uh, you know, on that on that on that that turn one straight there. So we're excited about uh, breaking it down. All right. Uh, for Dan Jimenez, Alex Curie, we're going to be back again uh, after post race. So Sunday night we'll get together and we will uh, jump into this thing again. Dan, I uh, appreciate you uh, making the uh, making the trip to Singapore for us. That's what I'm really more excited for. Well, so. look, I mean, this is one of those. This is one of those things. Uh, you can always download the podcast. Tell somebody if you listen to this podcast and go, "Hey, these two uh, Yanks that are putting this thing together, and uh, we're having fun with it. And we hope you are too." Share it with somebody else. Tell a friend. Teach a neighbor about F1. Get them into the sport. Get them into listening to Mode Push, an American view of F1. We'll see you next time, Dan.
1: Let's do it. (laughs)